0: Welcome to Interviews by the Smart Chiropractors. This show is where Dr. Jason Deitch and myself, Jeff Langmaid, give you a front row seat to our conversations with the current influencers, future leaders, and fantastic people involved in our profession. Hey, what's up, Smart Chiropractors? Dr. Jeff Langmade here with my co-host, Dr. Jason Deitch. We are back for another interview, and today we're talking with Dr. Justin Rabinowitz of Strive to Move Chiropractic and the Rehab Chiro Mastermind. We're gonna talk business, we're gonna talk clinical, everything in between. Justin, thanks for taking some time and chatting with us today. Appreciate being here and I'm ready to go. I wanna trace it back. We're gonna talk about the intersection of clinical success and business success, which is where you live, where you coach, where you teach. I wanna get there, but before we do, I know a lot of docs listening are interested in sports
1: and rehab. Where did your passion from it start? Similar story to most athlete all my life, college baseball player fractured my back in high school playing football and at that point I went through and sort of was exposed to the medical system where it was like wear a brace for four weeks and then take it off and you're good and I always say like that you're good was the thing that killed me to the point of getting to chiropractic school I was halfway through went went up for a layup came down all of a sudden at the time I didn't know what it was my whole leg goes numb I end up having like zero out of five dorsiflexion on a big toe end up having a laminectomy discectomy and so I've been sort of on that journey this whole time and exposed to just as a patient, like how bad it can actually be from people that we should quote unquote trust. So, um, you know, I'm excited and, and thankful that we have the ability here to oftentimes like I should get surgery. And it's like, well, no, nah, you don't actually need it. And to stop sort of what happened
2: to me in our practice, you know, that's that's a really, really cool thing. Justin, you you have focused on, you know, you mentioned a lot about docs who are focused on rehab. They want to be clinical experts. You imply sometimes that that means that they are experts, perhaps at the expense of business skills. We talked about how you're really bringing them both together, world-class clinical care, world-class business. How do you reconcile those things? And, And what do you think, I guess, the biggest issue or reason or stumbling block or hurdle most clinically oriented chiropractors have that prevent them from having the businesses they deserve? It's a good question. The first
1: thing, you know, we talked about it today on one of our calls of, is it that you're not good at it? You're not interested in it? And a lot of times with the people that are real clinically focused, one thing that I try to bring to attention to them is that don't tell me you're not good at business or good at marketing, good at sales. It's just You haven't spent time on it. And believe it or not, after they get introduced to it, a lot of them like it. Uh, The problem for most is that they went to chiropractic school and they sort of, like most of us, saw the good guys and the bad guys. And the bad guys made all the money and the good guys were just resigned to the fact that, oh, we're going to do the right thing by people and, quotes help people. And they forget that they should actually help themselves, which then allows them to help others as well. Um, You know, to get even more tactical into it, something that we focus a ton on is that sort of sales and communication piece, which... When I speak to rehab kairos now, one of the things that I have to tell them is, first of all, selling is not a bad thing. You just don't really know how to do it. And we can do it in a way that's curious, that's empathetic, and that's just being the right thing for the right person. And so once we sort of wrap people's head around that, and that they're actually doing right by people, and sometimes that means not treating them, um, they're more comfortable with it and, and they become excited about Actually, getting a person in front of them that they can help and charging, quote unquote, what they're worth or the right price to make it work. That makes sense to me. I'm going to ask a super basic question, but I'd love, I want you to set the stage here. How do you define a Rehab Cairo? For us in our world, if I talk to another Rehab Cairo, it's going to be world class business, world class clinical skills, right? That's how we talk about it. As I look at the profession, I know you guys have been doing it way longer than I have. When I thank the, you, I think. <laughs> well, more experience. I always looked at it. That as, means you're old, Jeff. How old? One day I'll be there. Hopefully, not soon though. Right? Um, I look at the progressive ch- chiropractors from a decade or fifteen years ago were the ones doing soft tissue, and that was sort of the next step from just doing adjustments, and then sort of, I graduated in 2012 and our group was really excited that we could actually do rehab with people and exercise and progressed CrossFitters, not just crack their back, but actually work them from the time that they came in with lower back pain, all the way up to the point that we're gonna get them in a position to actually be able to like do a deadlift. We're not a trainer, but we have the clinical knowledge and potentially the the physical knowledge to be able to work with people in the point where we're gonna put them in a position so that they don't have that problem. And now even more as I've been doing more coaching and consulting, the, the groups coming out of school now, there's even more of that type that, but a lot of them came from an exercise science background. They came from a training background and they don't wanna be just trainers anymore, which is why they went back to school, but they don't wanna just throw all that away. And so I think for me, and again, I'm biased, but I think It's the best way for our type of patient to be able to treat them, to be able to do all the hands-on, to be able to do the manual therapy, to be able to do the adjustments, and then
2: also walk with people back into whatever the activity or sport that they want and not just talk about it. That's good stuff. You know, one of the things Jeff and I talk about in the payday practice is the concept of memberships and subscriptions. And I'm curious uh, how you think about and what programs you actually have to really make the distinction i'll say sort of between you know acute care in the beginning where you know somebody might need a specific amount of care for a specific symptom uh, or rehab program uh, but then the lifestyle of it you know the idea most athletes know is you don't just you know get out of pain and then go done but there's a whole performance aspect to it number one how do you think about it and then number two how do you build your business around that so it's accessible and understandable for consumers to maybe start with one and then graduate into the other? It's a, it's
1: a great question. It's something that over the years we've sort of had to solve ourselves. Uh, our associate doc here, Dr. Ashton Bill Amoria, he kind of runs our practice now as I've stepped back. And a few years ago, we were talking about patient visit average and metrics in the practice. And he said to me, he's like, I don't understand how I should treat people for more sessions if we already solved their problem. I was like, that's a really good problem, and I don't know the answer, right? So what we came to the conclusion of, and to give the audience maybe some objective measures, what we sort of said was, listen, someone's going to come in because they have back pain and they want to get back to deadlifting, right? And we know that that might, we think it takes them about 12 visits. That's their plan, so to speak. If we believe by the end of that plan that they're about 90% to that goal, we're not going to offer them another one of the same thing. We need to offer them something different. And to your point, that's where we decided that the performance, the maintenance, the year of care type plan comes into play where now the game and the goal changes. Now it's not, we're just not focused on getting out of pain and getting back to deadlifting. Now, in a, I just keep using that example, a CrossFitter, it might be on working to gain more hip external rotation or working on more core stability so that at the bottom of their deadlift, they can create more intra-abdominal pressure that in a workout setting, they're not gonna do because they're working out. And so, you know, I learned this concept going through like TPI programs that they they have a um, an assessment process. And the thing that they preach in the assessment process is you should always be assessing. If you have a guy that plays golf three, four days in a row, gets on a plane and flies across the country, his assessment might look a lot different. And so just because we sort of fix the problem, people are going back into life and sport and they're naturally going to hopefully not have as bad of an injury, but they're going to come back with Things and stuff that we want to keep an eye on for
2: them, so that they can perform at a high level, and or so that they don't go backwards into the pain. But more specifically, you had mentioned you have sort of different types of membership programs when people graduate yeah. their acute care. Um, yeah. Can you share some insight into how that works in your practice? Yeah,
1: and again, something else we just we just mitig- we just change as well. Something that like I've just learned in business is the trident approach to anything. Right, you have three, give people options, but not too many. And so when we started doing a membership model for a long time, it was like, hey, do you want it or you don't? And it's like, they either say yes or say they say no. It was like, they can do one session a month or, or that was the program. And they either say yes or say no. And in the past two months, what we realized was like, that's not how we understand this. And so now we use a Trident approach where, hey, this is a really good option for you. Which option would you like? Do you want one session a month, two sessions a month, four sessions a month? And so now, instead of them saying, yes, I do or no, I don't, they can say, which one do I want? And so that's a, an evolution that we've had over time that we put into play. Just again, it's one of those things where it's like, I learned this, I know this, I use it in other businesses and I wasn't even doing it in my own. So you nailed the point that I think is just blows my mind about so
0: many you know, sports chiropractic practices is like. It's almost this, uh, and it sounds like you are directly leading the charge on solving some of these issues, which are there's almost like this uh, badge of courage for the lowest PVA possible, which makes no logical sense whatsoever, especially with modern lifestyle. And the irony that quite often the docs that want to work well, and I speak this as somebody who worked in multiple practices and helps build empty referrals, right? just but the people that want to work with the medical community the most drive their PVA into the ground and are referring out super early for all this other, like more of their patients are, haven't got advanced interventions than anybody else. And it just like drips with irony into me. And I'm like, this is, Absolute insanity. Uh, yet it's the it's the world of chiropractic that we live in. So I, I commend you on taking on the Herculean task uh, of uh, of really helping more of the pain rehab symptomatic relief type docs. Understanding that people go on with their lives, gravity continues to take a toll. People go back to the same habits, etc. So kudos to you for taking that on because I think it's a very very it's a critical component with a patient first approach. That's what they
1: actually need. Duh, believe it or not, of course. I I think the other part, too, is in our world as like doing rehab, the thing I kind of there's a book titled For the Sins of Our Father. The problem that we have is that they look at the chiropractors before us and they're doing 50 sessions of maintenance, which for them was that their skill set was adjusting patients back. And honestly, I'm not that opposed to it because like for some people, that's the best they take care of themselves. But I understand why someone in our profession doing rehab wouldn't like that. And the point is that we are not them. So, like if I adjust someone on the first visit or the tenth visit, I'm then gonna progress them into exercise. I have so many more tools in my belt than the guy. So I don't compare myself to him because I'm not him or her. So it's 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 not even the same thing. Yeah, that's a great point. And the assessment and the progression, I think that you touched on with TPI is, is
0: important. Jason and I spent some time out in Southern California with Greg and his team. And that's, you know, whether you're doing a movement assessment monthly or bi-monthly, whether you're going through uh, you know, whether it be DNS, SFMA, whatever you're using for an assessment tool, I like that as a mod, as a piece of the maintenance program as well, because you get to, as they would say in the literature, you know, predict and potentially prevent future episodes of challenge, because you're able to identify things before they become symptomatic, which is what's one of the most important things I think we can do as healthcare providers, as doctors, teachers, healthcare educators for, for our community. Uh, One of the things I want to ask you about that uh, about out in your community is you mentioned utilizing uh, modern uh, channels, social media, email, et cetera, to get out there with your practice. How are you thinking about content creation, promotion, marketing today? And how do you think Rehab Docs specifically should be considering it?
1: I think that it should be a channel, not the channel. And So, generationally, something I've seen the graduates coming out and part of it is not their fault. They've they've grown up in a world where they literally lived their life in school online for like two or three years. And so, some of them believe that the way to build a business only is via like online. And for some businesses, if you're in an online business, that's true. But if you are building a brick and mortar practice in a community, it still is, we got to get on the community. Now, here's I think where it works together. We all are utilizing social media in a capacity, and it is a way to build trust, just not the way to build trust. So let's just say tomorrow or Friday, I'm gonna go, our, our team is gonna go to a CrossFit gym and do a, a lecture, that we're gonna do a lecture on, on Friday. So we do our lecture, and now we know that there's an audience of 10, 12 people that are co- gonna come to this lecture, and some of them might come to us right away, but some of them might not. But most of them are gonna follow us on Instagram. And so that's a way that they're gonna to start to see a little bit more about us. So, hey, they met us, they liked what we said, but they didn't have a problem, they weren't ready yet, whatever the case may be. And so, but now they're gonna see our stuff and they're gonna say, hey, you know what? I, I, I like these guys, they're fun, they're nice. And you know what? That guy looks like a shoulder that's like mine. And maybe six months from now, 12 months from now, 18, 24, they finally say, you know, I'm coming on in to see you. You know, the best thing that ever, the line we ever got was we had a new patient call years ago and they said oh how did you find us and they said i just see justin everywhere it's like beautiful i did my job right they met me in person i was at a gym then they saw me on instagram and i got they got an email and it's so it's like that all met different channels that i think it's it's never just one right it's going to be multiple in person online so we, we try to think
2: about it in those terms that it's uh it's a way not the way i love it uh we dropped the word email several times how do you think about, uh, email campaigns with your patients, potentially with potential new patients? Uh, and while, uh, while I'm asking you that, I'm also going to ask you, what are your thoughts on recommending your favorite products, different recommendations for things people should be taking, people should be using. Do you think about offering them yourself? Do you recommend they recommend things and have them go buy them somewhere else? How do you use email and how do you recommend the things that people, uh, you recommend most so i will say
1: jason one thing we're really good at probably like the best in class the other thing we're really bad at and i'm just being honest so we have a rule and i teach my team this and our email this how long do you follow up with someone that said no the answer is until they tell you to stop or you read their obituary that's right buy buy or die (laughs) that's it and people laugh and they think it's funny but it's true right we and again you guys know this We've had people that for they say yes, they they say no. I've got, I had to get my teeth fixed and COVID and this and that and the other. And a year later, hey, thank you so much for being there. I'm ready. Let's go, right? And a couple thousand bucks later, and they solved their problem. And we can help them because we were there. You know, it's one of those things where I always tell people we're going to be successful because we're willing to do it longer than anyone else is. Like most people, you know, we had a in-person event, 35 chiropractors uh, two weeks ago. it was amazing, and I said. If someone says no to you guys, what happens next? And the room went silent. And I was like, that's the problem, right? That's the problem. And, and for us, it's like, if someone says no, it's like, good. That's why we have jobs. I tell my team all the time. I was like, our sales team, our admin team, our marketing team. It's like, if everyone just said yes all the time, you guys wouldn't have jobs. So that's great that they say <laughs> no. It would be over, right? That's why you're here. That's the point of all this. Jason, answer your other question. You know, we... In, you guys know what you focus on is what you do well. So we've done pillows and we've done different things that are actually really good products. And when we're focused on a campaign, you know, we'll sell 25 pillows in a month. And then when we don't talk about it, we're worried about a referral program or something else, we don't do a great job at it. And so for us, it is one of those things that if I was coaching someone or I was mentoring them, I would say, if you're gonna do it, you gotta do it, right? You can't just put things in your front and expect people to buy it. This isn't Walmart, right? And so anything in our bit, we've learned over time, it's like if we're going to do it, we have to do it well or don't do it at all. Because when we do it halfway, it doesn't work. And then we say it doesn't work. And the reality is it's that we didn't work it. That is hundred percent right. We're gonna we'll
0: have to talk off- uh, offline about some of the e commerce stuff we have going on. It might be a perfect fit for you if you're uh-huh. go for your practice because it really is about reducing that inventory while still being able to curate a really great product selection. Uh, Justin, I know we are going to be up against it momentarily here, but I want to give the opportunity for everybody listening and or watching. Where can they learn more? I think you're in the podcasting realm and I got a bunch of stuff going on for docs that want to connect with you. Where can they go? Shout them out. And we'll also drop all these links that you talk about down in the show notes at production time.
1: Yeah, we're about a year out, um, of doing the podcast business school for the rehab chiropractor. Uh, it's gotten really good feedback and probably where most people find me and like no like and trust type of thing. It's like, hey, I I understand this is great. I wanna do this. So I'd recommend the podcast. As I joke with people that call me about my programs is like, have you listened to the podcast? No, I was like, well, do the free thing before you pay me for it. So if you're out there and you are doing rehab, wanna understand how to make money doing it uh, in an ethical, non-sleazy way, I always say, start with the podcast. We're making a big push on Instagram. Just my name, at Justin Rabinowitz, where we post every single day business content. Uh, we're we're getting into reels. We're we're trying to really explore some different different avenues on it, and so those would be sort of the two main things: is the podcast and my Instagram. We do have a website, which is my name as well. But I would say, if what I said is of any interest, start with the podcast or my Instagram. That's where I would go. Awesome.
0: Uh, we will drop those links down below. I'm going to encourage everybody listening and or watching. If you are involved in rehab and if you're listening or watching, you probably are a chiropractor. Get in touch with Justin. Get tuned in to what he is up to. Justin, thank you so much for taking time out of your super busy day to hop on and chat with us. And we appreciate your time and appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you guys. Thanks. Thank you for listening to interviews by The Smart Chiropractor. Join us again next week for another episode and leave us a review when you have a moment. This episode has been brought to you by The Smart Chiropractor. The Smart Chiropractor can deliver more new patients, better retention, and more consistent reactivations to your practice without spending any money on paid advertising. Learn more and get started today at thesmartchiropractor.com.